A reading from the book of Acts. Now at Iconium they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Laconia, and to the surrounding country. And there they continued to preach the gospel, the word of the Lord. Welcome again, One Fellowship family and friends. It really is so good to be with you. My name's Drew. I'm the pastor of Discipleship. And this last weekend, I had the opportunity to officiate a beautiful wedding. And then on Tuesday, Laura and I celebrated 13 years of being married. Woohoo! 13. Um, and I was thinking a lot about vows, vows that you make at weddings, um, what you're actually saying during this time. Really, if you think about all of the vows, it's essentially this promise to care for the other person that's born out of a heartfelt, unwavering conviction that this is the person I'm supposed to be with until death do us part. It's not a contractual, I'm obligated to do this, but a covenantal conviction of love, devotion, and care. It's such a beautiful thing. Think about for a minute, here's what I want you to do. Think about the most important relationships in your life. Think about the links that you would go to for those people. If these people were in danger, what would you do to try to protect them? What would you give up of yourself to make sure that they had what they need? Or maybe this sort of care that once existed has become a bit weakened. The love and connection that you once felt doesn't seem quite as strong. Because let's be honest, sometimes this happens in our marriage, in our relationship with our children, in our families, with our friendships, even in our relationship with God. In the same way that we long to be cared for in an authentic way, we were created to care in an authentic way. And this is directly connected to our conviction. As we continue to move further into the unfolding story of the gospel of Jesus spreading from region to region and person to person through the apostles in the book of Acts, there are several themes that pop up again and again. And this is one of them, this idea of conviction this deep-seated, heartfelt belief that's really born out of love. As we join Paul and Barnabas today on another one of their journeys, here's the big idea that I want us to take away. Authentic care is born out of an unwavering conviction. That's what we're going to see in this passage. But before we jump in there, let me pray for us one more time. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you that it's living and active and it's just as true for us today in 2020 as it was for so many, so many years ago. God, that what we see in your word 
is this unending truth inspired by you, God. And we pray that you would speak to us now during this time from your word through the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray that you would grow us. We pray that you would take away things that don't need to be there. And we pray that you continue to build us up to make, you, to make us more like you, Jesus. And so we give you this time. We pray these things, Jesus, in your name. Amen. So let's start here, actually, with an unwavering conviction. Let me start with verse 1 of chapter 14. Here's what it says. Now at Iconium, they entered together. So this is Paul and Barnabas. They entered together into the Jewish synagogue, and they spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. Now, what's important to pick up on here is the emphasis on how they spoke. It says they spoke in such a way. Now, we know what they spoke of. They spoke of the gospel of Jesus. This was always their message. But how did they speak? When you're truly passionate about something, it becomes clear in the way that you talk about it. It's unmistakable. For Paul and Barnabas, their lives had been so completely changed by Jesus that it poured out of them every time they talked about Jesus. When they talked about the gospel, it wasn't just another topic. It was everything. They knew firsthand the gospel's power to change lives. It was their deepest conviction. And a great number is what it says, a great number of both Jews who would have known the law, who would have been somewhat familiar, and Gentiles, many which would have been hearing for the first time, it says they believed. When Laura and I lived in Seattle, there was a coffee shop that was really close to our house, and I used to go down there to do work and to have meetings. I would frequent it often. And there was this a barista that would always tell me, once they gave me coffee, thanks for coming in. I hope you have a great day. These are nice words, right? But here's the problem. I never believed him. Here's why. His emotions or lack of emotion didn't match his words. We need to be careful to not do the same when it comes to Jesus, when it comes to his gospel, when it comes to our faith. This doesn't mean that we need to be over the top or obnoxious or not who we are. But the way that we talk about Jesus to anybody, our neighbor, our coworkers, our families, to your kids, to your spouse, whoever it may be, and especially those who don't have a relationship with him, it needs to reflect an authentic relationship with Jesus. That it's not just another belief among many, that we don't believe Jesus was simply a good teacher, or a good prophet, but that our very core were convicted that Jesus is our savior and he continues to save and change lives. Is that clear in the way that we talk about him, in the way that we share about what he's done in our life and we share our story and how his story is intersected with ours and how we've been folded into the family? Does that come out clearly? Are we passionate about it? Are we just as passionate about Jesus as we are our favorite sports team, or our favorite movie, or our favorite restaurant? Because people need to see in the way that we communicate, how we communicate shows that we truly believe and we've truly been changed, that we have this unwavering conviction in the gospel. Now, this doesn't mean that Paul and Barnabas, because of how they spoke, saved anyone by their own hand. They didn't. What it means is that they allowed God's love to saturate their very beings 
And at the same time, they allowed the Holy Spirit to use them as they shared and to speak through them. In a way that these people who listened and believed knew that at their very core, whatever words were coming out of their mouth, they knew that they truly believed it. Here's what happens though in verse two. Not everyone loves what they have to say, but the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. Essentially what this means is that they tried to confuse them and they tried to preach an anti-gospel to them. So they remained for a long time, Paul and Barnabas, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. Not everyone is going to agree or is going to believe in the gospel. In fact, many will stand against it and try to even make it out as something that it was never meant to be. This idea that the gospel is short-sighted, that maybe it's just a bunch of rules to follow or that it infringes on your personal freedom. You know this, this isn't going to be a surprise and it's not a shocker, but we live in a very sensitive, often easily offended culture. And so when it comes to our faith, when it comes to what we believe, there will constantly be a pressure and a temptation to sit down or quiet down as not to offend. And this can be really difficult to navigate because we don't want to be the offensive part of the gospel. One of my professors in college would say that repeatedly. He said, if there's a stumbling block in the gospel for someone, make sure it's not you. It's easy for us to get in the way, sort of like the guy that would stand outside of different sporting events and shout at people about the wrath of God, but how he would forgive. And people would just pass by with deaf ears, not wanting to listen because of the way that this was communicated, not out of a heart of love, but almost out of a heart of condemnation. And at the same time, we know that God commands us to share. So what do we do in a culture that we live in that can be incredibly sensitive and easily offended, especially when not everybody agrees in what we believe? I mean, here's the truth. The gospel can be offensive, and it is offensive. It shows us our pride. It shows us our weakness and our need. And at the same time, as believers, we know that it's what everyone needs because it leads the dead back to life. It's a truth that needs to be shared, that takes the hopeless and offers hope, that brings healing to the hurting, that breathes new life into dry bones. So what do we do when there's opposition like we see here to our deepest conviction in the gospel in Jesus? Here's what we do. We show that we care. We show that we care with an authenticity that reaffirms the life-changing power of what we believe. I read this yesterday. It said, a message's truth is judged by the messenger's integrity. Do our actions match our beliefs? Paul and Barnabas, they showed an amazing care for these people and how they responded to opposition. They didn't simply walk away. They didn't pack up their bags and says, here's what it says. They didn't want these new converts to be confused and tricked by these false beliefs. They knew that their greatest need was Jesus. And so they stayed for a long time. One of the greatest ways that you and I can show that we care is through time. It's the greatest commodity in our day and age. If you give up your time for someone else, sometimes that might be a long time. That might be repeated visits. That might be time on the phone. 
That might be time with someone when they're going through something difficult or challenging, especially for those who don't have a relationship with Christ. Are we willing to give up our time? Are we willing to sacrifice what we want or even need for that other person? That's what we we really see here with Paul and Barnabas, that even in the midst of opposition, they were willing to stay for a long time. And as these two men continue to speak, it says boldly about Jesus, God moves powerfully. It says that signs and wonders are done, not by these two men, but by the Holy Spirit through them, affirming what they're saying, affirming it to be true. We can take confidence, great confidence, in knowing that every time we open up our mouths about Jesus, we're not alone. If you open up your mouth about Jesus this week, you're not alone. If you open up your mouth to Jesus with your neighbors when they're confused, when they're wondering what's going on in our world, which way is up, which way is down, and you share the hope of Jesus, you don't share it alone. When you stand up for Jesus and you share about the goodness, the love, and the grace of Jesus in your schools, on your sports team, whatever that may look like, no matter what age you are, you don't stand alone. The Holy Spirit who um, indwells us goes with us. Even if people who once stood with you have stepped away, and even if others stand against you, when we stand with Jesus, he stands with us. That's exactly what happened here with Paul and Barnabas, is that God moved. In verse four, it says, but the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, some with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both the Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, this was a big deal. This wasn't a small argument. They literally wanted to kill these apostles. They learned of it and they fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Laconia and to the surrounding country. And there they continued to preach the gospel. We see division. Can you relate with this? We see division all around us. I feel like with every year that passes, it feels like um, there's more and more division in our country and in our world, and we become more and more divided. And it's easy to see that division as only a problem. But I want to say this, and I want to make it really clear. It's also an amazing opportunity. Obviously, in this passage that we're reading, the division is directly tied to the gospel. But I want you to even think about this in a broader sense Anytime people are divided and many are searching for which way to go, for where to stand, for what to accept and what to reject, there is no greater opportunity for the church to be the church. There is no greater opportunity to share the hope that we have in Jesus. And what an amazing opportunity we have right now. Every single day that we go out in our community or we text with people is an amazing opportunity to share the goodness of Jesus, even in just sharing our own story of what Jesus has done in our life. The love, the grace, the compassion, the faithfulness that he shows day after day after day. You know what a lot of people are looking for right now in a world that can seem so confusing is they're looking for hope, but they're also looking for faithfulness. Who's going to stand with them when everyone else walks away? Who's going to get them through this brokenness and relationships and marriages and their family Who's going to heal their wounds? And we know this. We have the answer. And it's not something we should just say lightly or just kind of toss out there, but with deep-seated conviction in our very hearts because we've seen it. Many of you have seen his faithfulness. Some of you have had marriages that have been completely restored that others would have tossed out and said, we're going to give up on that. 
You've seen amazing things happen in your own life where illnesses that you have have been healed by the hand of Jesus in ways that doctors can't explain. You've seen God be so gracious to you and give you opportunities that you never imagined. And we continue to see him work day after day, time after time. And so as we get the opportunity to share that, we get the opportunity to share the hope ultimately that we have in Jesus. Now you might think it's strange here in these last verses. It says that the disciples actually leave town when this threat comes. Now we know that they didn't leave out of fear. And here's how we know this, because both Paul and Barnabas will willingly give up their lives for what they believe at the hand of others. So why did they leave? I absolutely believe that they left because the mission needed to continue. God wanted them to continue to move forward, to share this good news with other regions, with other cities, with other people. And there's a certain trust that's held here as they leave this city. They knew not everyone would believe, and they also knew the power of belief wasn't theirs to give, but it was God's alone. They were faithful servants, but they were not saviors. You see, at its truest level, this passage really isn't about Paul and Barnabas and the amazing way that they spoke and how many came to faith and how many didn't and how caring they were. What it's about is Jesus. It always comes back time and time again to Jesus, the real Savior. You see, the conviction that they spoke with and the care that they showed, even in the face of unbelief, is simply a reflection of Jesus and his conviction and care. A conviction born out of love for mankind that would lead a king to leave his throne, to put on flesh, to experience the pain of loss, the sadness of sickness, the rejection of many, but yet show such a deep and authentic care for us, for you, for me, that he would take time to sit with us. Think of the woman at the well. To listen to us. Think of Nicodemus who was confused. To cry with us. Think of Mary and Martha as they lost their brother. To understand us, to embrace us, and to welcome us. To welcome us. A conviction and care that can't be denied because with Jesus' very last words and with his last breath, what does he do? He doesn't ask the Father to condemn us. No, he asks that the Father would forgive us. When we allow this truth, the truth of Jesus' compassion, his love, and his grace to be our deepest conviction, what we live out each day, what we breathe in in the morning, what we exhale at night as our head hits the bed, an authentic care for those around us will follow. It's unavoidable because the same thing that happened to Barnabas and Paul will happen to us. That it's no longer our lives that we're living, but it's literally Christ living through us. So what do we do with this? Two things. First, go back. Go back to the gospel. Go back. Remember the time that you first believed. Remember what it means for Jesus to have completely changed your life. Remember what he brought you out of. Remember what he's given you. Sometimes in a crazy, hectic, chaotic world, our conviction seems to become weak because what we need to actually do is go back and remember. And so if you're feeling that, maybe your faith feels strained. Maybe you're not sure how deep your conviction is anymore. Maybe things just feel a little bit dry and you're not sure why. Would you go back to the gospel? 
the gospel that you first believed. Allow the Holy Spirit to reignite that truth within you, this conviction that you hold. And then secondly, would you go forward with the gospel to care for others around you in the way that you communicate, in the way that you show Jesus to your community, to your children, to your spouse, to your neighbors who aren't yet believers, trusting that the Holy Spirit has the power to do anything and that Jesus wants to absolutely change their lives. Out of that deep-seated conviction for the gospel, would you go forward with the gospel in care the same way that Jesus cared cared for you? And it might require that you stay for a long time. It might require that you sit and you listen and you're patient. But what that does is it shows Jesus. Would we be the hands and feet of Jesus in our community as the conviction of the gospel overflows from within us? The big idea today that I want us to take away is one that I've been thinking about all day and I hope that we remember is that authentic care is born out of an unwavering conviction. And to bring it even a little bit more home to what we've been talking about today, you can add this in. An authentic care for people is born out of an unwavering conviction in the gospel. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for this truth. Thank you for the gospel. Would you make it so true to us? Would it be our deepest conviction? And out of that, would we have your eyes for people? in the way that we share, in the way that we communicate the hope that we have in you because you've reached down to us. God, that when we needed you most, you gave us your son, that Jesus, you've shown us such grace. Would that permeate throughout our lives, our very being as we love others? God, thank you again for your word. Thank you for this time today as we get the opportunity to worship you. Would you continue to change our lives? Would you continue to make us more like you, Jesus? We pray this in your name, amen.